Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment with highly anticipated new releases. The time is now more than ever to embrace the breathtaking, sinister, and shocking tales that can enthrall you, especially with brand new exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped, like Amy Tintera's Listen for the Lie. With exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors, captivating sound design, and dynamic performances, Audible brings these stories to life like never before. And as a member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. We prepare for the worst. We are preparing for the worst. Unfortunately, that's the way we have to look at it. Ambassador O'Brien, did China underreport both the number of cases and the death toll from the coronavirus? Uh, Unfortunately, we're just not in a position to confirm any of the numbers that are coming out of China. We're soon going to have more ventilators than we need. We're building thousands of ventilators right now. The ultimate solution to a virus that might keep coming back would be a vaccine. What about the public? Should we be wearing masks out? It doesn't have to be a mask. It can be a scarf. I think in a certain way, scarf is better. From CBS Audio, this is Debriefing the Briefing. Here's CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent Major Garrett. Hello from Washington and welcome to Debriefing the Briefing, where we will walk you through the highlights from the Daily White House Coronavirus Task Force Briefing. We will dig into the important statements made by President Trump and his advisors, with the help of my CBS News colleagues and outside experts. You just heard sound bites from the April 1st briefing, so let's review the key takeaways. There were two phases to the briefing. Phase one dealt with an announcement about drug interdiction south of the United States, in the Pacific, and in the Caribbean. No operational specifics and no specifics about any new information or intelligence about an uptick in drug cartel activity, though that was asserted by the president and many others. That took up 42 minutes of the briefing. Then phase two was about coronavirus, COVID-19, one hour and one minute. Among the things discussed, the president said that he is now thinking about and the task force is looking at limiting travel by rail and by air between hotspot cities in the United States and possibly reopening the Affordable Care Act exchanges so people can obtain insurance if they need care related to COVID-19. I want to bring in our special guest for this episode, Dr. David Agus, who is a medical contributor for CBS. Dr. Agus, good to talk to you. Thank you, Major. So I want to ask you a couple of things. Uh, The president, in his own voice, made a couple of references to the supplies being created by the federal government and how rapidly they are being used in hospitals and other areas. I want to play some sound from the president and get your reaction to that. When you look at these hospitals, the amount that they order, you almost say, how could they possibly use so much, whether it's masks or the protective gear? But we are supplying a tremendous amount, and we just ordered a lot from Walmart. Uh, The amount of usage, the amount of need uh, is something that nobody's ever seen before. We are getting so much, but uh, no matter how much we get, they seem to use it up very quickly. Dr. Agus, I guess for a layperson, these quantities are surprising. Are they surprising to you as a medical professional? 
You have to realize if you're a nurse, you may be taking care of five or 10 patients at a time. So every time you go into an individual patient's room, you have to take off a mask and your gown from the prior room, put on a new mask and gown, go in, because you don't want to bring virus from one room to the next room. And you may see each patient several times over the course of their stay. And so the number of gowns, the number of uh, uh, face protectors, they go up dramatically. And unfortunately, when you have something that's easy to spread, this is what happens. Should the president at this stage of this crisis be that surprised? You know, it's hard to tell. I mean, sometimes there's there's kind of this, you know, uh, uh, you know boy in him. Oh, my gosh, 50,000 people died of the flu. I didn't know that versus, you know, you should be aware of these things because what's going on now is a national crisis and every detail matters. Um, I hope it's being explained to him that, you know, these aren't just being thrown away, that people aren't walking out the back door as alluded to in a previous conference. Unfortunately, you have to treat each patient individually. And every time you go in, you have to gown up and put a mask on. That is a lot of gowns and masks. Every time we've been testing people, we've been putting on gowns and masks. Now we're getting better where patients can swab themselves and try to save some PPEs for other frontline healthcare providers. But it's a major issue and it's scary. Uh, PPE, personal protective equipment. Uh, Dr. Agus, there was a conversation during the briefing about the president saying he is looking into, those are his words, potentially blocking rail and air travel from hotspot cities to other hotspot cities. What's your opinion of that or your evaluation of that? I think it's fantastic. Um, you know, what happened in Italy was in Northern Italy, they had a clampdown. They shut down everything. And what people did was they got in their cars or got on the trains and went down to Southern Italy and basically policy enabled spread of the virus. I don't want that to happen here. And I think that there are parts of the country that are clamped down and parts that are not. And the very easy thing is to go to another place and bring the virus with you. And we see church services still happening, people still gathering on beaches and other places. That means that what most of the country is going through, these draconian you know, lockdowns to basically stop our work, stop our schools and stop other things, a couple of people can ruin that for the whole country. And so shutting down travel, to me, makes sense in the short run. Uh, Dr. Agus, another topic that came up at the briefing, and it is something that has been consistent with most of the briefings, either the vice president, Mike Pence, or the president will talk in numbers about things being delivered and things being ordered. And it seems, from my perspective, doctor, that there is a kind of disconnect between all these numbers that are presented at the briefings and the actual delivery and the the receiving of them either by hospitals or healthcare professionals to make those deliveries real. What is your perspective on this logistics challenge? This is a local regional disease. So one hospital can have a hotspot around it where the disease was spread and they may need 10 times more than another hospital. And so it's a supply chain challenge where right now our supply chain is just dictated by who asks for what. It's not necessarily based on need. And so we're seeing that. We're seeing certain hospitals where people are literally you know, wearing uh, garbage bags rather than protective gear that they should be wearing because there's a difference in how it's being distributed. You know, supply chain, you know, two years ago I was in Davos and we did a play acting of what would happen in pandemic. And what came out of it, and this the Gates Foundation sponsored, was supply chain will be one of the dominant issues. And what do you know, supply chain is one of the most dominant issues. We don't really have great supply chain management here in the country. And this is something that we need to learn, especially as new hotspots crop up in the country. Does the White House need a supply chain expert an incident commander or something of that nature to remedy this problem? 
I think we do. I mean, we've seen times where states bid against other states for resources. You know, if there's a free market and you're bidding on mass, it makes no sense. We're all bidding against each other, one United States versus another part of the United States. So we certainly need a central command for supply chain. Amazon did it. Walmart do it. I think the United States should be able to do it. I want to ask you about something else that came up in the briefing, and there were some conflicting conversations about this, but I don't want to really get into that conflict. I just want to get into something that was mentioned by Dr. Anthony Fauci. He was asked about antibodies, and he talked about passive transfer of antibodies as protection and treatment. He said it's quite common in the world of um, epidemiology. Help my audience understand a little bit about that and how it might be applicable in COVID-19. In 1918, in the Spanish flu, which, by the way, started in Kansas and not Spain, um, when people survived the flu and got better, they would take their plasma, the yellow part of the blood, which has antibodies, which are proteins they made to get over the virus, and they infuse them to somebody else. So we've been doing that in this country for over 100 years. It worked in Ebola. Obviously, it worked in Spanish flu, and most probably it will work here. The first patients using this were actually done, uh, treated in the last uh, couple of days. And I think we're going to see more. That is, if you got over the virus, Major, I could take your blood and a machine called plasmapheresis puts the red cells back in you, takes the plasma out, and I can give it to another patient. And your proteins and antibodies can actually give them the ability to fight the virus almost instantaneously. So it's powerful. It's not scalable in that we're not going to do it for large numbers of patients, but for very sick patients, it could be a lifesaver for them. I want to ask you, Dr. Agus, about something that was noticeably missing from today's briefing, and that is anything that referenced yesterday's briefing. And yesterday's briefing was a shocker to, I think, almost every American who is not deeply involved in the statistical modeling of COVID-19. That is to say, even with mitigation strategies as currently understood, 100,000 to 240,000 Americans could die as a result of this virus. Nobody even talked about that today. What's your impression of a briefing the day after shocking statistics like that are conveyed to the American public and there's not even a single reference to that shocking array of statistics? I think the country still has a hangover from that announcement, and I think the administration realizes that. Um, It was a scare tactic, which was real. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's real. There's the potential for several hundred thousand deaths if we don't change some of the things we're doing now. And, you know, the fact that it wasn't parlayed on today and talked about more in depth and applied to some of the principles, for example, that you mentioned transportation and other things made no sense to me. And I think we need a continuance day to day in order for America to start to understand, you know, with understanding can come action. But right now we're being told things without true understanding. And doctor, you have tremendous experience here. Help the audience understand how modeling works and that those numbers that were shocking yesterday are projections, they're models, they're not destiny, but help us understand how they come about. So when you look at the incidence of a disease, that is how many people are testing positive, how many people are hospitalized, and how many people go to an ICU and how many people die, you can start to make models and project how that will play out in the country. What the models assume is we don't change what we're doing. So if we get better in certain areas of the country about social distancing, the numbers will come down. If some of the drugs that are offering hope actually work, the numbers will come down. If the medical infrastructure that was shocked in New York City and you know, wasn't expecting this large influx of patients actually gets better in other areas of the country, 
the numbers will come down. And so my hope and prayers are the numbers will come down dramatically because we have to learn from every event that happens in our country. And I think we are. Every city is watching New York City and learning from it. And so the hope is the next hotspots will do much better. That's the voice of CBS News medical contributor, Dr. David Agus. That's all for this episode of CBS Audio's Debriefing the Briefing. Don't forget to subscribe to my other podcast that's known as The Takeout, which might be how you found this podcast. Until next time, I'm Major Garrett in Washington. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings early and ad-free on the 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Here's a question always on the go. Yeah, you are. Now you can take CBS Mornings with you and we want to go. Wake up to your daily dose of news and interviews with today's leading figures in politics, business and entertainment in the CBS Mornings On The Go podcast. Available every weekday wherever you get your podcast.